When was the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? If you're like me, it's been quite some time. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz and I welcome you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and my friends from around the world to join us live. Put on a comfortable pair of pajamas, pull up a chair, and settle in with your favorite refreshment. And prepare to be blessed as I welcome tonight's guest. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz and I am your host for the Mommy Jammy Night. And today with me on the line is a very special guest and friend that I have met in real life, which always makes it more special, and that is Kendra Fletcher. Welcome, Kendra. Thanks, Felice. Well, it is great to have you here, and you can be found several places online at KendraFletcher.com, as well as um, PreschoolersAndPeace.com. So uh, those are two places you'll want to visit Kendra, and she is going to tell us a little bit about herself right now and her family. Yes, well, um my family and I have been uh, doing this homeschool life for a lot of years. We have eight children, my husband and I. Our oldest is 20 and our youngest is five. And when that oldest son was four, we decided we needed to homeschool him because he was um, precocious and bright. And I thought, this kid will be in trouble in a kindergarten classroom if I put him there. <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay, I will just, I'll just homeschool him, you know, just preschool. That's what we'll do. And then... He was reading, and so then, oh, I'm not putting a reading four-year-old precocious little guy in a kindergarten class, so I'll, I'll do kindergarten at home. And and then, um, oh, just first grade. And so then, you know, we went all the way until high school graduation saying, just next year, just one more year. <laughs> that's, so that that's so cool. how long we've been at it. Yeah, and, um, and then along the way, God really has done some um, – Amazing things through crises that we've uh, we've endured and um, are thankful for. You know, as we look back on those times, um, and another again recent summer that we've we've gone through and um, are not are not out of the other side yet, um, and just really clinging to what God has and the redemption He'll He'll show us at the end there. So we're we're really um, thankful for that and what He's done and maybe have learned a few little tricks along the way because um, when I did this workshop this summer at a, con- a homeschool convention, I had somebody come and said, I just feel like we live in crisis mode. So um, I think that's true for a lot of homeschoolers. Right. Uh, yeah, um, right, maybe is. not a big, huge event that happens that you need to press through, but maybe just living day-to-day feeling like you're in crisis. So um, right. that that's my hope tonight is to give you some some tools and reminders and encouragement to wake up tomorrow morning and feel like you can go another day. Right. Well, I, I appreciate you doing this. And also, uh, Kendra and her husband, Fletch, are going to be hosting, because this is, um, if you're listening to this in the archive, um, it may already have launched. Um, it will be um, in October, I believe, is the first show. Uh, and it is Homeschooling IRL in Real Life. And they are doing um, what I would call um, a very um, humorous, lighthearted look at homeschooling life. And I, what I really love is that they're doing it together, um, you know, as husband and wife. And that, you know, just that alone, in fact, we have a couple of shows that are going to be hosted by husband and wife, um, is just, you know, super exciting to me, but, um, you know, it's it's going to be great. So tell us a little bit about that show. Well, we, um, like I said, we've been a, a bit around the block in the homeschool world, and um, there are, to us, seem to be quite a few little sacred cows or things that we've watched divide homeschoolers over the years. Um, we see that on Facebook as people kind of go tit for tat sometimes over an issue. Um, we see it in uh, maybe in a local co-op or something like that. Um, and so we have watched relationships dissolve. We've watched co-ops dissolve. <laughs> we've watched um, people distracted from the gospel and from each other um, by a lot of hot topics. And so we decided that we would be just those ridiculously crazy people who just, who wouldn't run from those topics. 
And so we're going to be addressing some of those hot topics um, and and taking a gospel-centered approach to them and saying, what's what's the Christian response to this, um, and how do we how do we love each other, and how do we um, bring the gospel to those around us um, in our differences and the things we don't agree on. So we that could be such a heavy topic, but we're not right. um, particularly um, heat up people. I think probably a, largely because of the things we've been through and the things we've seen with our children. Um, and so we are taking a lighthearted approach. It's going to be very funny. It's going to be um, something fun and, you know, hopefully you'll walk away from that podcast each time thinking that was a great refreshing time, but also deep enough to say, you know what, let's remember why we're doing this and um, who's at the center. So um, that's homeschooling IRL. Great. Well, good. And um, like I said, I, I did get to hear the first um you know, test episode, and it was really good. It was a five-minute promo that we're going to be putting out there. And the great thing about this network is um, you can follow all of the podcasts um, with an RSS feed, and um, and they're all free. So there is no charge. There will be um, some commercials in them um, from time to time, and, and also um, – you know, encouragement to follow the speakers and their products and things like that um, on the the audios. But um, they're going to be, I'm, I know, just wonderful. And I'm really excited because, um, you know, there are more and more people that are going to be joining us um, slowly and shows are going to start, you know, at different times. So it's as God moves us. And uh, so it, it it's going to be wonderful. Well, Kendra, I am going to sit back and listen uh, while you present your session here. And then at the very end, just come back, give me a cue to come back on, and I will um, ask you some questions from the audience. Great. Sounds good. Thanks, Elise. Well, I I give this talk often um, at homeschool conventions um, and where I speak a little bit about some of the things that have happened in our family this summer in particular. I was asked to give a talk on homeschooling in times of crisis. And about a week before that happened, or about two weeks before that happened, something big again happened in our family that was another crisis to work through and um, walk a long mile, as we say with our kids. We're going to walk this long mile together. And so I was really thinking about it that day um, that I was going to be presenting this this workshop, and I thought, God is so funny, because he had asked me to do this in January, and this convention was in July, and he knew two weeks before that convention was going to happen that we were going to go through another crisis in our family. And so I I called up the convention um, director, and I said, hey, look, I really would like this workshop to be an atmosphere of safety for the women and men who are coming, because it's my thinking that probably you're not going to come to a, a workshop on homeschooling in times of crisis unless you are dealing with some sort of a crisis. Or like the attendee who was at my, my session this summer said, I just feel like we live in crisis mode. Um, and I, I knew there would be questions at the end. And my heart was to hear everyone else's stories and to walk through a little bit with them in the time that we had. And I wanted them to feel like, it was going to be a safe environment, and so we didn't record that session that day. And later on, as I was talking to the director, I said, you know, um, I think that was a mistake because I, I really didn't think there would be that many people in attendance. <laughs> and as it were, the room was filled. Um, so obviously there are more of us than we realize who are, who are attempting to homeschool our kids and disciple our families but feeling like we're limping through the whole thing every day. Um, and, you know, there have been moments, there have been days, weeks, months, time periods in the 16 years we've been homeschooling that I've woken up and thought, I can't do this another day. So if that's where you are or where you have been, I'm telling you, you are not alone. At least in the one convention that I did this in this summer, the room was packed. And lots of struggles, um, people who wept through the whole workshop, not because of what I was saying, but because they were just so struggling with what was going on in their own lives. So be encouraged that there are others walking this road and you are not alone. 
I want to tell you um, the story of our three children um, and the crises we went through with three of them. We have eight, but there were three in a period of 18 months that God moved brightly in our lives. Um, the first was uh, the summer of 2008. Um, it was June, the end of June, a hot summer day, and I had a seven-week-old, our eighth baby was just seven weeks old, and um, I thought, you know, he's been sleeping a little too long. So I went to check on him, and at the time, he was kind of sleep anywhere, so he was in my closet in a little Moses basket. And I went in to pick him up, but he was um, clammy, his lips were blue, and his eyes were rolled back in his head. And I, ga- I just gasped. I mean, you know, what's your response when you find your baby like that? And my eight-year-old daughter was with me, and I turned to her and I said, do you think we should call 911? Which, looking back, is such an indication <laughs> that it was a stressful moment of crisis because why I thought my, my little eight-year-old would possess more wisdom. But in that moment, you know, it was just utter shock. And so we called 911, and the ambulance came, and we got that little boy into the car or into the ambulance. And I was sitting up front with the driver, and the uh, the paramedic in the back said, um, his blood sugar is 13. And I looked at the driver and I said, what does that mean? As he turned his siren on and we began to speed and he said, I'm normally 60. And so his little, his body was shutting down. And by the time we got to the ER, um, our local emergency room didn't know what to do with this baby. Nobody could figure out what was going on. None of the, his symptoms pointed to anything specific. And so they wanted to rush him to the local uh, children's hospital, which for us is about 60 miles away. But it was a summer where we had horrible fires on the coast of California, as we're experiencing right now, and they couldn't metaflight him down to that hospital. So they put him in an acute care ambulance, and we sped down the freeway literally with nothing with us. I mean, I think I had my purse, and that was it. And we drove down to another city where Children's Hospital was. And when we got down there, um, they wouldn't let us in. He had to be admitted to the ICU immediately. Um, And so we (laughs) wandered around and found something to eat and and whatnot. Um, Thankfully, my family lives in that city, so that was one of God's wonderful ways of providing for us during that crisis. But that night we sat um, in a a, uh, consultation room in the hospital with the hospitalist there, and he just asked us question after question because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with our little Joe. And finally, he asked a question about something that had been going on, and we said, yes, he had had diarrhea all that day, and he said, that's it. And he said, I want you to go to bed with your cell phones tonight because he's probably not going to make it. And so that was our night. We went and slept at my parents' house and um, in our clothes because we wanted to be ready to hop up and run to that hospital. And the next morning, he was still alive, and we um, got there, and they said, we know what it is. He has an enterovirus. And an enterovirus is just an umbrella term for a family of viruses that are um, oral fecal in nature. So he probably picked this up from a shopping cart, or um, I didn't wash my hands thoroughly enough when I went to change his diaper, or something. Um, we really have no idea how he caught this virus. But it is a nasty virus, and that summer, um, children and, and elderly people were dying in Taiwan from an outbreak of this particular strain of enterovirus. And so, you know, of course, that's the first thing you do when you get a, a diagnosis. You start Googling what, what's going on, and that's what the first thing that popped up was death in Taiwan. And so um, that little boy for the next 11 days battled kidney failure, um, liver failure, heart damage, and ultimately brain damage. And when they handed him to me, um, in the hospital to take him home, they said, you know, um, because of where the damage is in his brain, he actually has four holes in his brain um, as a result of encephalitis while he had that virus. Um, He's probably blind and deaf, and he's going to be a vegetable. And so that's how we left the hospital with our little Joe. And and at that time, we were then calling him Mighty Joe because um, I had some fabulous blog readers who followed that whole event for several weeks, and one of them started calling him Mighty Joe. And so that's been his name ever since. And our Mighty Joe today is a five-year-old who sees and hears and is not a vegetable. 
So God did something with that little brain. Um, he is entirely missing his occipital lobe, or the lobe is there, but it is empty. So there's no gray matter, nothing. He has a hole where um, his brain matter and his occipital lobe should be. Um, that's the part of the brain that controls sight and balance. And um, he can see. So praise God. He fired some little um, directions in Mighty Joe's brain, and um, he can see today. You know what? I forgot to forward my little slide here so you could see him. There we go. Okay, so that is our Mighty Joe um, during his hospital stay, and he was not that big. He was a normal seven-week-old baby, but he um, six months after we brought Mighty Joe home from the hospital, and, you know, you don't recover from these things quickly, and that's not something we knew because we had never been through that before, but it, it was really shocking to me how long it took me to recover from that. So we brought Joe home in August, um, I'm sorry, at the end of July, and then in August he had MRIs, and there was just a lot more we were doing um, he was seeing a pediatric neurologist and things like this. So it, our saga with him really wasn't over. And, you know, it's September now, and we're feeling like school's got to start and all of that, and so I did. I just marched on, and we just went into school and honestly cannot tell you how that happened. I mean, I don't, I don't remember if we just started light or if we started late. We probably started late, um, to be honest. And... Um, but I don't really recall how that went on. It was probably in a little bit of automatic pilot. And then that December, um, some friends and I took our children bowling, and we were driving back home. Um, and we, we live on two acres, so we have a really large circular driveway. And as I was pulling our 12-passenger van in, I thought, you know what, I'm going to pull around the circle, and then when Fletch gets home, he can just pull in right behind me. And so I pulled in, and... Um, Instead of parking where I normally do, I just kept going because I was going to go around that circle. And our little Ansley, who was five at the time, threw the side door of the van open. She unbuckled herself, threw the side open, jumped out, and um, I ran over her. So I thought I was going over the little curb. There's a, a fountain and planting in the middle of this big circular driveway, and I thought I was just going over the curb, but I was going over my daughter. And... Um, I didn't know it until my other children were screaming, Mom, 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 you're running over Ansley. And in that split second moment, I, I just remember saying, God, prepare me for what I'm going to see. Because it was not, soon, not too soon before that that um, Stephen, Stephen Curtis Chapman's son had run over their little daughter. And so that was fresh in my mind, and I thought, I, that, I need to know what I'm going to see. And I got out of the van, and I came around the side of it, and Ansley was sitting up crying. <laughs> and so I, I said, honey, can you stand up and walk? And she did. She stood up and she walked into the house and about halfway up our staircase and then just said, mom, you know, was crying, mommy, mommy, it hurts. So I threw her in the bathtub to calm her down and I called my husband and he said, well, is she bleeding? Is she, is she peeing urine? Is she, you know, is, there, is she throwing up blood? Is there anything like that? And there was none of that. There was nothing. And so um, I had delayed, I didn't call 911, and I delayed taking her to the emergency room. And by the time I got to the emergency room, somebody there thought that was suspicious, that I hadn't called 911 or gotten her right there. And so as they were examining her and found that she just really just had a fractured pelvis, um, they were also calling CPS. And so here we are. It was my worst nightmare. I've run over my child. And then my second worst nightmare, I've had Child Protective Services called on me. And as we were again in an ambulance going back down to Children's Hospital just to make sure that she was fine, um, I am mortified, terrified of what's going to happen. I knew that a CPS worker was coming to our home that night and was going to be with Fletch and the children questioning them. And I was absolutely undone, which now, in retrospect, I realize was my misplaced hope. My hope was in the right CPS worker and in somebody understanding and, and if the kids told the right story and all of these things other than my hope being in Jesus. And I often wonder when I look back if, if things would have been very different for me that night um, spent at Children's Hospital with Ansley if I had just remembered that my hope was in Jesus, not in these things. 
around me or um, in tools he's given us, like the very, very kind CPS worker who came to our home that night and said, I knew when I met you that this was a mistake, that I have to do my job and this is going to go nowhere. So it was all fine. They never filed a report or anything like that. But it undid me and showed me where my hope was, which was not in Jesus, and it should have been at the time. So we came home from that, and I thought CPS was looking in my windows for a good six months, and it was a horrible time of my life of feeling like um, I was being watched or or that it could all just fall apart in an instant, which was not the truth. I was not telling myself the truth at the time. In that time in our lives, um, God was really pointing us back to the gospel. There were some things that happened while we were in the hospital with Mighty Joe and some things that happened as a result of Anthony's accident that God was saying, it's about me. Remember remember the gospel? It is finished. I have, I have paid it all. <laughs> Your hope is in me. And so we were coming back to this realization that less and less our works and the things we were doing or the choices we were making for our family, and it was all about Jesus. And in that time, um, we, were, we were really kind of waking up to, to, to the gospel again in our lives. And um, we were all sick with the flu. It's about a year after Ansley had been um, in that accident, and then we were all sick, and one of our daughters, our eight-year-old Caroline, was sicker than the rest of us, and I kept thinking, she's just not getting better. And my husband said, you know, if she's not better in the morning, we'll take her to the ER. And the next morning, she was incoherent. Her skin was all mottled in this weird, webby, veiny. It was, I have no other way to describe it other than it just looked so odd, and she was spacey and incoherent, and something was drastically wrong with this child. And so we rushed her to the ER also, and um, she, this is Caroline, was in septic shock. She had a ruptured appendix that had probably ruptured 24 to 48 hours before we um, took her to the hospital. And again, we had all had the flu. And I even had a nurse say, oh, honey, you need to absolve yourself of guilt here because ruptured appendixes hide like this. And we had a nurse here whose son did the exact same thing, and she didn't bring him in because they were all sick with the flu. And so that was God's grace and mercy in my life at that moment to be able to say, okay, you know what? I don't have to psychoanalyze this and go back and say, what did I have done or what did we do wrong or where again was my hope in that moment? Caroline spent 21 days in the ICU. She had two additional surgeries um, to place drains because her body wasn't healing. One of those surgeries skirted a femoral artery, her femoral artery, um, and we spent 24 hours not getting her into that surgery because the two doctors who could have done it, neither of them wanted to do it because it was such a risky surgery. And so for 24 hours they deliberated over who was going to actually do that. Um, and so they did. And the result for her is um, she's a wonderfully healthy 12-year-old daughter now, um, but she is likely not going to be able to have children unless um, some great medical advancements occur. But again, our hope is not in those medical advancements. It's in what God is doing in her life and in all of our lives. So those are that was our short um, period of 18 months that felt like years had gone by in those three crisis times. And through them all, we continued to just school our children at home. Um, we didn't really think of any other option at the time. That was what we did. We, we schooled our children. And the blessing, of course, of that was that we walked that long road together, all of us, um, in those crises moments. There are some things we learned from that period in our lives and some things we've had to remind ourselves as we've gone through our most recent crisis, which was um, our oldest son marrying um, the girl he's loved since he was 15 um, this summer, and five days before the wedding, um, it all fell apart. Um, and, and there are some very deep and private issues there that occurred that I won't share, but um, it has affected our family in huge ripples um, and affected several other families as well. And so, again, you know, we've had to say, what's the truth here? First of all, God has this. He is for us and he loves us, and he was not up in heaven thinking, oh, my goodness, where is Mighty Joe? He's in the ambulance? What's going on? He's never saying that in our times of crisis. 
He's never saying, oh, my goodness, really? That child is sick again and that poor mama hasn't slept at night? God has this. He knows. He's designed it for our good and his glory. Fill yourself up with the truth in these moments and remind yourself that God is not surprised by what you're going through. Romans 8, 28 through 31 says, We all know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And Romans 8, 35-39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or running over my child, or losing a home, or losing a job, or whatever the current crisis is, can those things separate us from the love of God? Romans tells us it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. God has this. He knows your situation. And not only does he know it, he is in it. He is our hope. The next thing I want you to remember is that homeschooling is a fabulous, fabulous tool. But it is not our hope. Too many years I spent hoping that homeschooling was going to be what turned out fabulous children. They were going to be godly. They were going to be disciples. They were going to be loving and humble and kind and merciful. Word. They were going to understand their theology. All of these things and my hope was in this wonderful tool that God had given us. We are so thankful we've chosen to homeschool our children, but it is not our hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Psalm 52.9 says, I will thank you and confide in you forever because you have done it. You have delivered me and kept me safe. I will wait on, hope in, and expect in your name, for it is good in the presence of your saints. And Hebrews 10.23 says, So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable and faithful to his word. You know, I'm reminded whenever I think about hope and where my hope is and when each day I have to say, Kendra, your hope is in God. It's in Jesus is at the cross. I'm reminded of the Israelites who, um, you know, were in Egypt and they were there because, of Joseph. So you remember this story that the, um, the Israelites were hit, hitting famine and, and God brought them into Egypt because he had already put Joseph there and orchestrated that whole thing. And so they were there for um, the food and the, the things that could be provided for them to take care of them um, while they were in Egypt during that famine. Now that famine lasted seven years. So seven years of abundance and um, storing up good things, and then seven years of famine. However, (laughs) what we know is that they were still there 400 years later. And we have to ask ourselves, what, what were they doing there? The famine was long over. In fact, it was so far long over, they didn't even remember who Joseph was. They had his bones in a box, but you know what? I don't think most of them knew. Scripture tells us most of them didn't even remember their forefathers or who that was. There they were, still in Egypt 400 years later, and what were they doing? They were in bondage. And not only were they in bondage, they were in bondage building the very things that they had come to Egypt for. So they were building storehouses. And 400 years earlier, those storehouses had been the tools that God had used in their lives for their good. They started to put their hope in those tools, in the food, in the abundance, in the culture, in the things that Egypt had to offer. And 400 years later, they found themselves in bondage to the very things that God had given them as gifts. 
and I don't want to be in that place ever again. I don't want to be in bondage to these things that God has given as good tools. So remember that homeschooling is a fabulous, beautiful tool that God has given us, but it is not our hope. Jesus is our hope. The next point that I want to remind you of um, and myself as we go through these times is that homeschooling provides us with really great opportunities to walk alongside of our children in the realities of life. And so it's not um, our goal to keep our children from what is real life and what is, you know, just what we go through. These are fabulous opportunities to show our children where our hope is. What your family learned through your crisis might be the only thing that God really wanted to teach you all of this year. I think that's true for my children. They watched us cling to God and recall who was our hope during these times of crisis. And I have to say that that was a better lesson than any algebra or history or anything else we did that year. And in fact, I would have to go back and look at my records to even remember what we did academically that year. But I can tell you that the life lessons learned through those three crisis periods or what's being learned in our home this summer has been huge, huge in the lives of our kids. And they will remember them and take them with them. When they see us pour out grace on situations and on people and on each other, those are the lessons that they will take with them. And I'm very thankful for that. The next thing is that academics can be accomplished, and you need to just be prepared to be surprised because those academics will probably happen differently than you imagined. Um, In these times where I am feeling like the pressure is on and I am so stressed, I have to to look and say, what are the bare bones, the non-negotiables? And this is going to be different for every family. So you need to look at it and say, what are the bare bones that we need to accomplish this year? What are the non-negotiables? And so for us, that would have been um, definitely some sort of a time in the word together, whatever that looks like um, for our family. And then if I was teaching somebody to read that year, well, then, of course, we would continue those reading lessons. And reading aloud is very important in our family. So that would have stayed. Um, keeping our kids up, up on some you know, math facts or some of those things, Those would have been non-negotiables, but I'm telling you, those are not the times that I was going to be making sugar cookie maps of India or um, taking field trips, you know, and making homemade this or that or or whatever those things were, um, crafting fabulous costumes. for You know, that is not going to happen in those times of crisis for me. Now, for you, those might be the things, the very things that keep you going, and that's fine. So there's no right or wrong in this. But just be prepared to have it look completely different that year than any other year or even in what you started with a plan. Um, and I don't know about you, but even in our quote-unquote normal and calm years, nothing ends up like the plan. <laughs> the plan is a great skeleton and backbone. But um, just prepare to, to, to listen to the Holy Spirit and hear how God leads you and what he really wants you to accomplish that year. Next is that flexibility is key. It's key. What about school at night? Is that an option for you? Maybe that's the best thing. Maybe during the day you are just getting through the household tasks and the laundry and feeding these kiddos and spending time with them. And maybe when daddy comes home is the time you guys can really get down to some schoolwork with the older kids. What about first thing in the morning? Um, my best friend from college uh, um, has matched me, or we've matched each other child for child <laughs> for eight kids, both families. Um, we didn't plan it that way. It just was God's, you know, good gift to both of us. And she is far more the morning person than I am, so she had a whole period of time. I don't remember if it was one school year or more than that, but she woke her oldest children up at five in the morning, and they did school then. That was what they did from 5 to 7 a.m. They just tackled school. And then at 7 when the little ones woke up, they were done with all the heavy stuff. And so they would move into kind of their group teaching time or circle time together and and do some read-alouds, and then the kids were free to play. That worked for her. And I am telling you that would never work for me because 5 a.m., I'm on the the far end of sleep. I have just started sleep usually in my house. So that flexibility is, might be what keeps your head above water. 
What about schooling in the car? Some of you are going back and forth to therapy or taking an aging parent to um, dialysis or other such uh, appointments. So is, are there things you can accomplish in the car? Maybe this is the time that those kids get a Kindle. Maybe this is the time um, that you can knock off all kinds of memory work with memory CDs in the car or something like that. Maybe it's time to get a mother's helper. If that's within your budget, or maybe you can trade for that, or there's some wonderful young woman at church who just wants the experience, maybe this is your year to have help in your home. And if that's something that is, is viable and God's going to provide it, he'll find that person and the means by which to do it. So um, flexibility. Next would be to surround yourself with cheerleaders. Anybody who's going to stand at your side and rain down condemnation on you this year, or judgment, or jealousy, those are relationships that backseat, if not dropped altogether. You need to be in a place where you are stronger or over the immediate crisis to deal with the people who are needy or bringing more heartache to your situation than is necessary. Now, when I gave this workshop this summer, somebody said, what if that person is my mom? And I... I understand that. There are so many homeschoolers who are doing this difficult thing of homeschooling with family members who are diametrically opposed to what we're doing. So that may be the time that you say, I am going to give my mom time when it works best for me. So if she calls me during the day, I'm not going to answer. If she emails me during the day, I'm going to have the self-control not to open that email and read it, and I'll deal with it when I can on the weekend, when my husband's at my side, at night, whatever, you know, whenever that is. So that's a specific example of, of giving yourself some boundaries and some space from those people who might not be a cheerleader for you. Surround yourself with people who will put their arm around you and say, you are loved, God has this. You are absolutely 100% supported by me. I have your back. And if you don't have somebody physically in your life like that, these type, types of online groups, um, the Mommy Jammies Nights, um, the you know boards like Sunlight I know has boards, and the Well-Trained Mind, and some of those can be really great encouragers. They aren't a substitute. We all know that. They're not a substitute for real flesh, you know, in life, real life friendships and relationships. But in a time of crisis or in a time where there isn't somebody else there who can stand alongside and, and cheer you on, they might be something that God uses for you. The last point would be to remind yourself to keep telling yourself the truth. I am so bad and late at night. That is when the flooding thoughts come through my brain of, who do I think I am? Why do I think I can do this? What was I thinking? You know, oh, this person obviously just doesn't like me because they've said this to this person. Or, you know, all of those negative times. I think Satan is so good, at least for me, in attacking me at late at night. And I have had to learn to tell myself to shut it off, to just be done with those thoughts and to tell myself the truth. What is the truth? The truth is you are loved by the God of the universe who created you and everything in it. You are so loved by him that he sent his son Jesus to die at Calvary on your behalf. Your sins are accounted for. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are loved, you are accepted, your worth, your value, your significance, your identity is in Jesus and what he did at the cross. So keep telling yourself the truth. Stop listening and start talking. Stop listening to the things that you're telling yourself that aren't the truth or that are flooding your brain and start telling yourself the truth. Remind yourself of whose you are and what he's already done for you. Take those thoughts captive. If I can leave you with anything really important tonight, it would be that, to tell yourself the truth, to remind yourself that God has your back he loves you, and you are covered. And when he looks at you, he sees Christ's perfection. I'm going to um, give you a few little places here to find me on the web. Um, I, I have done a huge 
change in my blogging over the last couple of years, and I didn't know I was doing it. Something that readers pointed out to me. But that's the grace of God. And I'm writing from a grace perspective. It says, let's remind ourselves of who we are. I probably write that once a week on Preschoolers in Peace. So if that's something you're needing to hear, find me there at Preschoolers in Peace. I write a little bit at KendraFletcher.com, not so often, but on the same um, the same sort of a theme, grace, mercy, and God's love for us. Um, I'm on Facebook at Preschoolers in Peace. I'm there a lot um, during the day, posting things to encourage you and giving you lots of tools. I'm on Twitter at Kendra E. Fletcher, Pinterest, Google+. And then like um, Felice said, this Homeschooling IRL podcast, it is really our hope to pour out more grace over all of us so that we can continue to do this thing shoulder to shoulder, this homeschooling life that we have chosen, this wonderful tool that God has given us. So find me there. And I'm also really, really happy to answer questions. Um, So pop me an email or um, on that Facebook page. Feel free to drop questions my way. It is a privilege and a joy in my life to reach other moms this way. Oh, thank you so much, Kendra. I think there were tissues being passed out in the chat room while we were listening. Oh. You know, I don't know how you did it. I mean, one of those things would have done me in. And um, and so, you know, you have really uh, – I think you've gotten your, your limit, you know. You, sometimes I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, right when I start oh, to think that, I also remember we have eight kids. And so there's probably right. going to be a lot of these times coming down the pike. But um, just right. keep telling myself the truth. And that, that's important. I loved it because that seemed like your reoccurring theme that, you know, you had to continuously remind yourself, mm-hmm. you yes. know, where your strength came from. And that is so Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have a couple of questions here. So let me start with Linda from Virginia. She said, I often hear in times of crisis to scale back to just the basics, but with constant crises, mm-hmm. so some of them good, I feel like the kids are being shortchanged educationally. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I've had that thought myself, so I I really understand that. And I think the key here is to say, is to put it before the Lord and say, okay, God, you've called us to do this thing, but you've also called us to be in this crisis mode or what feels like is never even. Um, and, And, you know, let me remind you guys, too, because I think it's very easy to think that everybody else, is doing doing this homeschooling thing, and it's smooth and easy. But I really don't think anybody has that. And and maybe maybe some maybe we have a month of it, you know, or maybe maybe even a year. Right. Wouldn't that be fabulous to have a whole homeschool right. year that everything just sort of chugs along smoothly? But God is not. He again is not surprised by our circumstances. And so if He's calling us to do this thing, He's going to equip us to do this thing. And I am a huge believer in saying. All right, God, and and sometimes I've been really um, upset and said, okay, you called me to do this thing. You know what? You need to equip me for this because I'm not seeing how if this is going to get done. And you know, I didn't I didn't tell you that um, in the midst of all of that. Now, to think back, when I when our firstborn was four, I had a two year old and a newborn, and then mm. spent you know, and it's wow. been a total of 15 years pregnant or nursing a baby and sick for four months of every one of those pregnancies, including a miscarriage. So, you know, that that is kind of living in crisis mode or just living in, in just a lot of right. chaos. And our 20-year-old um, is graduating from college this year, and our 18-year-old got into the school where he wanted to go and then ultimately ended up not choosing it, but he, he got into the school that he, he was wanting to go to. And so all of that time period, nursing babies, um, birthing babies, throwing up for, you know, how many times a day for four months over and over again, um, running over a child, weathering ICUs with, you know, with both of those kiddos and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. somehow, academically, it worked. And I can only mm-hmm. say that the what we called the bare bones or what we thought was just sort of like, you know, all of the really good, needy basics, it worked. And these guys, my oldest two, my second born really isn't very academic even. Um, he's, I mean, he's not like a really great go-getter student. And still, 
they've, they've done very well. And I think that has given me even more confidence to say, let's dig in and get done what needs to be done. And if we can get to an art project, fabulous, we'll get to an art project. But you also need to remember that you're not living in a vacuum. Your kids aren't living in a vacuum. So, so much of what is your family culture is also part of their education. So for us, that looks like the fact that I have a music degree. And so often my kids are exposed to so many genres of music, and I talk about it, and I say, oh, you know what, this is Mozart, and he's my favorite, and he was, he was in Vienna, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know. So you're talking about these things and telling them and having these conversations. And so remember, too, that whatever is the culture of your family and the things you're talking about and learning about and growing about, you know, with together, that's part of their education. Mm. I'm reading a post here from Julie. She goes, I think we've had our limit to losing our home to a tornado, losing two parents in the first five years, as well as three miscarriages. Then our son got cancer and died, including my boys and I being in a car accident, and now my husband has cancer. So she says, it sucks by worldly standards, but grace. Why not if Christ died for us? Why us? So, oh, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, I want to give everybody a hug. And, you know, just even hearing, you know, Julie, and she she comes often to our events. But, you know, I I sometimes wonder, you know, how, how we still love the Lord, but he does. He gives us this love for him. And if we didn't have the Lord, where would we go? I mean, we would be you know, so lost and so bitter and so, you know, with, without hope. So praise God, you know, oh, Julie, that you have the hope that is in, in Christ and you can keep your eyes focused on him. And we know that this isn't heaven, you know, and someday we'll right. be rejoicing. And, um, you know, that's that's the prize at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I, I feel so badly for people who don't have that hope. And, you know, you gave us some beautiful um, scriptures there at the end and some beautiful words, Kendra, um, that I want to play over and listen to again, you know, um, in quiet. So, you know, that that's a big help. So what can you say, you know, to people that are, are also burdened by so much happening in their lives? Yeah. Well, this may not be a popular answer, um, but, but, you know, like our homeschooling IRL podcast, I'm not going to skirt around it. But there may be a time and a purpose and a place that God says, for this time and this purpose and place, I'm not going to have you homeschool. So, you know, if you can be open to saying, God is my hope, he's got this thing, homeschooling is a tool, but he may have a different tool this year in the lives of our kids. This may be the thing that we that God is asking us to do. It may not be. He may he may very well say, "Nope, I want those kids in your home. I want you to walk alongside of them through this, and I'll take care of all the rest." You know, think about this long term. If you had if you had a student who was a year behind, really is it a huge life-shattering issue if your high schooler graduates a year later? You know, if you think about it like that, it's just really not that big a deal. Put, you know, put with that, couple with that the fact that so many homeschooled high schoolers can graduate early anyway, you're probably not going to come out all that behind things. Um, it, it might feel like it now, but certainly if God wants those kids in your home, like we said before, if he wants you homeschooling them and, and having them learn some in, amazing lessons by what you're going through, Julie, your kids have got to be seeing the hand of God all over the place in your home. You know, then then he is going to make up for all that time that academics aren't being done. He really is. I mean, I, I say that with such confidence on the other end of things now. Oh, I agree. I agree. And here's another question. It says, how do you know how to prioritize? Sometimes I can't even think about what to do first. How do I know what to do? So a question oh. about prioritizing and, you know, in times of crisis, um, it's difficult to think clearly, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that's where um, you can you can just rely on the Lord. Put it to prayer and say, 
God, give me the five top non-negotiables here. What are my five non-negotiables? And I had to do that um, with pregnancy each time because I couldn't get out of bed. And I had all these kids and their laundry and the food and, the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I had a super supportive husband. Um, but, there, you know, there's a, there are times in our lives. And I think, you know, if I look back, I remember writing a blog post after we brought Mighty Joe home, and I had to do the same thing then. What are the top five things that I need to accomplish? And I put it to my husband, too, and said, what do you think of these five things? And I, if I remember correctly, um, it was time with the Lord, making sure I was really nurturing that in my life. That was one of the five non-negotiables. That could not be dropped by the wayside. Um, I had to feed everybody. I mean, that, you know, you, had to, you have to feed these kids and husbands. So how is that going to be accomplished? Now, when you think of it like that, you think, okay, my responsibility is to feed them. It's not my responsibility is to feed them a well-rounded meal three times a day. My responsibility is to make sure they have nutritious snacks. My responsibility is to make sure it's a gourmet dinner, right? It's that I need to feed these children. So if we eat peanut butter toast for breakfast 35 weeks in a row, I have done what I needed to do, okay? So, you know, look at those, those non-negotiables and then say, in those, in those things, how simple can we get? Because what that might free you up to do then is to occasionally do something that is special and wonderful and memorable. You know, those things that you're looking at on Pinterest boards and saying, oh, I wish I had, my school room looks like that, or I wish, you know, we could, we could do that craft project or that science experiment or something like that. Um, my kids are missing out from those things. Um, but instead, maybe by simplifying all of the things that have to get done, after making that list, with the Lord and husband or somebody else if there's not if you don't have a husband who's super supportive, you know, run it by a girlfriend or a spiritual mentor and say, what do you think of this list? And what do you think of what I'm trying to accomplish here? Then if you simplify those things down, you may you may be surprised at what wonderful things come from that. Very good, very good. Okay, and um another question here. It's a long one. Um so let me get to that page. Okay. Uh, the question is, I find myself homeschooling this year while taking care of my mom, who's been very ill. I'm also anticipating having a daughter who might have to have spine surgery this year. I find myself constantly torn in different directions, and I feel I can't focus. My oldest just started high school, and we are adjusting to that, and my son has a medical condition that requires constant tending. I'm trying to be flexible and see new ways to get school done and care for my mom and everyone else, but I feel like I can't keep up and I feel so overwhelmed. Any oh, suggestions? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that, you can um, relate. Overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can. And um and I've had moments where I I will dissolve into tears in the laundry room and say, God, I can't be all things to all people here. And right. um, you know, start there. Start there and say, God you have put these things on my plate, and I feel like I am the one who has to meet all these needs. Help me to do this. Ask him practically. I really don't believe after 43 years of following God, I do not ever see God abandon us. So I would, I would admit defeat, you know, at the foot of the cross and say, I, don't, I do not get why in the world you would think that I could meet the needs of my son and my mother and, you know, all of these things going on. So, God, please show me and help me practically about how to do this. Some of it may be learning how to be a better delegator. That's been very difficult for me until I had an older woman in my home helping me who said, Kendra, you do too much for your older children. You need to put the lunch stuff out and let them make their lunch. You know, and stuff like that, which probably sounds ridiculous to some of you. Like, why was I still making my teenagers lunch? But yeah, I was in this routine, you know, since they were little as a homeschooling mom of like, okay, now I go make lunch. And it just I, it never occurred to me that <laughs> I could just let them go make their own lunch. I don't know, ridiculous. But that was one of those things that she helped me realize that um, I was not delegating well. And so now it's taken several years, but everybody does their own laundry except for Mighty Joe. You know, everybody is responsible for putting their lunch together. Everybody has. So maybe there's some delegation that could happen. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm throwing things out there, but God will really clearly show you. Maybe it's delegation. Maybe it's asking somebody outside of your home for help. You know, is there somebody who would be willing to come in and do your laundry? Or somebody who would be willing to come in and take um, uh, take 
some of your kids to the places they need to be or something like that. Um, there are a lot of practical solutions, and I believe they're there and that God will provide them if you ask him. I really do. Oh, that's wonderful, and I agree. And um, we went through a period of my dad lives with us, and uh, last summer he went, um, he had a fall, and then that was downhill from then on and just going to the doctors a lot with him and just different things. And um, my kids are pretty self-sufficient. I learned that. But don't you're not the only one, Kendra, okay? My daughter, <laughs> who now has five of her own, um, didn't like to do dishes because it made her feel like she was going to be sick. So she was 12 oh. when I had Nicholas. <laughs> and I just said, I don't care. I'll do dishes. You clear off the table. And the other other things she liked to do, and I didn't mind doing the dishes. But when I had that little baby and I was homeschooling two teenagers and, you know, it had been many years since I had a little one and I was overwhelmed, I just I remember saying to her, you know what, sweetie, there's a garbage disposal right there and if you get sick, just lean on over, you know. And, I, and, I, and you know, miraculously, she did the dishes after that. Um, But, you know, and now she has five children and, you know, there's there's no problem with smells and things like that. But, um, but, you know, you you just you just don't you do it because, you know, you you can do it. But with my dad, um, when that was going on, that also I had to prune back and I I had gotten into that role again, you know, because I think some of us, um, you know, feel like, you know, we're blessing our children by serving them. And, uh, you know, they need they need to take some responsibility. And that takes getting organized. And I think, you know, that sometimes um, is a problem, you know, especially if you're overwhelmed, you don't have the time to sit. But I would right. encourage you to do that. Just take some time to sit and, um, you know, subscribe to something like Fly Lady if you're not. Um, you know, organized, but I have about five or six books on my shelf, and I will still say I'm not organized. But, um, but you know, we try. <laughs> we strive, right? Um, and, it's, and it's all about at least trying to do that. So um, this Yeah, and, you know, been, Felice, maybe, maybe yeah. that's the first step is, is asking somebody to come watch your kids while you go to Starbucks and start making lists. You know, right. maybe maybe that's the very first thing you could do or ask your husband for some time out to go, um, you know, to go someplace or to go upstairs to your bedroom and lock the door and sit down quietly and, and think through everything and make lists. Right. That, that's great. And it is. You know, we do. We end up, you know, um, when we get to that overwhelmed point and cry out to the Lord, he does give us these ideas. And you have provided us with wonderful um, tools, Kendra. I appreciate it. Um, you know that the Lord is now is now working towards you. You know with victory. I know you're not out of the woods on some areas still, but but you still have this joyful attitude that you know God will provide. And I really think that crisis does that. It gives us this renewed faith because you know it's it's just as you know as if what Peter said to the Lord. You know where else would I go? To whom would I turn, Lord? And right. you know we have nowhere else to go. You know, those of us that really love and serve the Lord. So, you know, we're picking up our cross and we're following him and he is making it, you know, the the burden light. And, um, you know, sometimes it is heavy, you know, and you're right. There isn't any perfect home. And I was laughing, you know, saying, well, if you see something on Pinterest, you know, my thing is just stay off of Pinterest. If you're there and you're discontent, you know, then that's just a burden. Um, absolutely stay off. So, but um, but anyway, my friend, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I have really enjoyed this session, and I am looking forward to that book someday that is going to be written um, or is written. But you're you're seeking publication, I believe, at this point. It is. Right? Yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens. We'll see what God does yeah. with that. So, yeah, In God's hand. So. Yeah, but uh, it's an amazing story, but it's an amazing story and one with, um, you know, a wonderful ending, and that is that, you know, God God reigns. So, yeah, amen. Uh, thanks. Amen. All right. Well, you can find Kendra on her website. Go ahead and give us those again. Preschoolersandpeace.com, KendraFletcher.com. Um, and then I'm on Facebook and Twitter and our upcoming Homeschooling IRL podcast, which will start in October. 
Very good. And I believe you have um, Facebook for that too, don't you? We do. Thanks for reminding me. Yes, we have Homeschooling IRL on Facebook, and um, we will post updates about um, episodes coming out uh, soon. So it'll be fun. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. God bless, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. Hi, my name is Felice Gerwitz, and I invite you to join me weekly for the Vintage Homeschool Moms radio show, where I interview guests that have homeschooled for many years and want to share helpful advice on homeschooling with each of you. Each person brings wisdom and encouragement. You won't want to miss any of these sessions every Monday at noon Eastern Time. Join us live on our chat at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show Network. Click the Listen Live button and join us there. Or you can follow the show and download your audio today. Vintage Homeschool Moms brings you the best advice from moms whose desire it is to see you succeed. I hope to see you at VintageHomeschoolMoms.com today. happy you came to Mommy Jammies Night, please drop my guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time and follow up with me on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page or via email. God's blessings upon you and your family. Thanks for joining us.